Hey everyone, and welcome to this special Snake Oilers edition of the Risky Business Podcast. My name's Patrick Gray. Snake Oilers isn't our regular weekly show. If you're looking for one of them, just scroll one back in your feed. Uh, Snake Oilers is a wholly sponsored podcast series we do here at Risky.biz, where vendors come onto the show to pitch their products to you, the Risky Business listener. Now, to be clear, everyone you hear in one of these editions paid to be here. Now, it, it's not actually something I've said in the show before, but these snake oiler shows are so popular. Uh, it actually surprised me. Something like 20,000 of you listen to every edition of Snake Oilers. Um, but it actually does make sense. This is the podcast where you can spend 40 minutes learning about what three different vendors are actually selling without actually having to deal with the companies themselves. And it turns out you like this. Anyway, today you are going to hear from three vendors. Uh, Pentester Lab, Attack Forge, and Sysdig. Now, Attack Forge makes a pen test workflow and reporting platform. Uh, Sysdig makes cloud and container security-based tooling, uh, very much meat and potatoes type stuff, which uh, I, I mean as a compliment, actually. But yeah, if you're running a big container environment, you absolutely should listen to that one uh, to hear how you can use their tools to do things like vulnerability management and uh, you know detection. Uh, I've obviously never used their tools, but you know it all sounds pretty sensible to me. Uh, but the first snake oiler we're hearing from today is Louis Niffeniger from Pentester Lab. Uh, Louis is French, but he has lived in Australia for a very long time. I've been acquainted with Louis for, I mean, it'd have to be something like 15 years. Uh, and I can tell you he has a fantastic reputation uh, as a consummate professional and great hacker. And he's just, you know, a really nice human. Uh, Louis worked in pen testing uh, down here in Australia for a long time, uh, then spun up his company company Pentester Lab as a side gig. And now, of course, it's his full-time job. He's got a bunch of employees uh, and, and whatnot. Now, Pentester Lab is a training and exercise environment for people who want to learn about web app hacking. Now, this could be people who want to get into testing. It could be developers who want to learn uh, about how to write more secure code, that sort of thing. Uh, but the thing that makes Pentester Lab so unique is that it has modules that appeal to everyone along the skills spectrum, even seasoned pen testers. And I'm talking about people I know who really know what they're doing. Even they have subscriptions to Pentester Lab because they're waiting for Louis to show them how to exploit some new bug class or something. Even people who do bug bounties for a living subscribe. And, and why wouldn't you, right? Because it's only 20 bucks US, uh, 20 US dollars a month. So some new attack class drops, then Louis publishes a training module and labs showing people how to use it. You know, you watch the videos, you do the exercises, and then bang, you know how to do it. So it's a platform that has value to novice testers and beginners, bug bounty participants, and seasoned pros. Uh, Louis's customer base consists of individuals, pen testing consultants, and companies uh, that use it to train their staff, uh, whether those staff are testers or developers. Now, you're probably getting the impression that I am a fan uh, of Pentester Lab, and that's because I am. I was, uh, I was absolutely stoked when Louis reached out and said he was ready to do some marketing. Uh, so here's Louis explaining what Pentester Lab is all about. Enjoy. So Pentester Lab is basically years of knowledge put together as a training platform. Basically, years of doing pen tests, years of doing code review, years of teaching people at conferences about how to hack application and put that in one online platform that people can use to learn pen testing on their own. 
Yeah. Now, this isn't just about learning pen testing for people who want to, you know, become pen testers. A big focus of your platform is actually training developers, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So we have small and simple exercises for developers to learn, like the basic of OWASP top 10, SQL injection, uh, cross-site scripting. And also we have code review that developers really like because it feels like they're doing security, but it's also code. So they, they enjoy that part a lot. And we also have like a lot of AppSec people and pen testers. So even if the name is Pentester Lab, it's a lot wider than just for pen testers. Yeah. Okay. So um, walk us through the nuts and bolts of the platform. I'm guessing that there's, you know, there's going to be videos, sort of, you know, online tutorials, things like that. But I think a big part of what makes Pentester Lab useful is actually the exercises, right? Exactly. So we have like badges and in every badge, you got like a few exercises from like 20 to 100. And if you finish a badge, you got a little certificate of completion. And the thing is for in each exercise, we got the course that you can read, the lab that you can attack directly without a VPN. So really easy access. And you do that with your own browser, with your own proxy, with your own tools because it's important to learn how to do it in the most realistic way possible. And then if you get stuck or if you need like a little nudge, you can look at the video we provide as well with either just an introduction for the lab or a full walkthrough of this is every step you need to follow to solve this lab. So what you're getting people to actually like install burp and stuff like that instead of using some cobbled together monstrosity design to make it easy. Exactly. I think the thing is that if you learn you know, on a platform where you have like everything online and you have like a web OS where you connect and then hack with this web OS. Once you got to a real pen test, you can see all these problem you never had before and you're going to struggle a lot. I'd rather people have those problems with me and I can help them like with support or with video. And then when they have to do the real thing, they're good to go. Yeah. They just transition over. So, uh, You've been running this platform for actually quite a long time now, but you've only been full-time for four years. I think you've scaled up now where you've got something like four staff as well. Uh, I imagine that, you know, you would have found a great deal of success through the pandemic because all of a sudden remote training became the only option. Was that your experience? Yes. So a lot of people start using the platform and as well, a lot of people spent a lot more time on the platform, like existing customers spending a lot more time because they had like last minute job canceled or they were like more often at home doing nothing. And instead of watching TV, they were like doing Pentestola. So during the pandemic, it worked really well for a lot of people. Yeah. So if you could, and I, and you know, we already spoke about this before we hit the record button, but you know, if you can try to give us an indication of what the breakdown of your user base looks like, that'd be useful. Because I understand you've got companies like major banks will buy uh, Pentester Lab access for, you know, like it's AppSec people for its pen testers and whatever. And at 20 bucks a head per month, like why not, right? It is actually you know, very affordable, uh, particularly when compared to some of the other uh, training alternatives. But you also have individuals who come in and just, you know, pay for it themselves, etc. Uh, but what does the breakdown look like between individuals, companies, and, and then what, what sort of companies do you get actually uh, uh, as customers? So it's probably 50-50 between companies and individuals. And I think what I really enjoy is that I got people all around the world, like for both companies and people, and we got, as you said, like big banks, uh, big four. 
we got small companies, small pentest companies, small adsec team in like a big company. It's really, really, really like wide. Yeah, it's like, really, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it is basically what you told me earlier. Yeah, exactly. Like why, if you pay an engineer 100, 200, 300K per year, you can probably afford to spend 20 bucks per month just to get them a little bit better and avoid them like missing a bug or even just like spending two days on exploiting something where they can just like learn this in two minutes on Pentester Lab and then apply it. Yeah, yeah. Then they can they can learn a new trick and then go and see if they can find it, right? Yep. Now it's also being used as part of uh, talent pipeline stuff, right? So if, you know, people might use it on their resume to say, well, I've done these modules or whatever and these were my scores. But also you, you found that people who are doing the hiring are sort of steering people towards the platform and saying, come back in three months. Yeah, exactly. We are like a big US consultancy, like a really good one and well-known in uh, in the US who just like, when we got someone who is almost there, but still a bit too fresh, too green to get on board, you're just like, okay, we give you access to Pentasola for a month, three months, six months. Then you come back and we interview you again and see like, how, how did you go? Like, what did you learn? Because these people think like, okay, this person is almost there. We, we should give them a chance. Um, and other people just use them as part of their onboarding. Like you start in the company, your first month is Pentester Lab full time. Yeah. And yeah. And they, they, that allows them to get people who are like a least a bit more green or like greener, a little bit more junior and yeah, save a lot and helping people as well. Like when you train people, they, they're thankful about it. So you give them a chance and often it works. So what are the what are the most sort of impactful um can you build a similar platform for podcasters cuz I'd love to hire by the way but anyway um <laughs> can you can you give us a walkthrough on what like the most popular and impactful modules and exercises actually are for Pentester Lab cuz I think that that would be interesting to know. So we cover like basic things like our WASP top 10 but I think the real value and what people are really interested in right now is all the SAML and OAuth 2 labs because I don't think anyone has those. And it's all it's all well, and everyone's that, everyone's adding OAuth everywhere right now, right? So maybe a training resource that people can use to understand it might be a good idea. Exactly. Like I think identity is pretty hot this week. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and another one is because a lot of people in the industry are shifting from just pen test to pen test and code review. So well, I think we have 100 labs on code review. This is like getting fantastic traction because yeah, I think that's something that is hard to learn and having like someone pushing you in the right direction and showing you the steps really helps people. I'd imagine too that like when SSRF kicked up as a bug class, you know, that was very much in the last four years. Uh, so I'd imagine you would have seen interest then as well. Is that sort of how it happens? Like something uh, trends and then you add material and help upskill people in it and then, you know, they're upskilled and then you might move on to the next trend. In this case, we're talking about OAuth, et cetera. Uh, that's it. Yeah. So there's a bit of like finding the right bugs, like studying like a lot of CVs, finding like, oh, this one is really interesting because the technique is interesting or the bug class is interesting or something is really trendy. Like OAuth 2 is like a really good example. Uh, JWT as well. Everyone is using them. So, and they're a really good way to learn uh, applied cryptography. So it's like putting things together in a way that makes sense for people to learn important things. Like I'm very much about 
having as li as few labs as possible instead of having like a lot of labs, but people are not learning. Like I think people are have only a limited amount of time, so they really need to learn the right thing at uh, at the right time. Well, and I think having labs that actually adapt to what you know, to, to the actual trends in what you need to be up on, that makes sense as well. Because a lot of this training content that we see out there, it's pretty static. Yes. And that's like being like, I think for the recent Log4j or like recent Apache bugs, we were like the first one to publish a lab. So mm. for we have people who do bug bounty full time who are like customers. And for them, they need the exploit or they need to learn how to exploit something or to spot something as soon as possible. So I think this competitive advantage for them and for us, it's really good. Yeah, I'd imagine quite a few pen test shops would be customers as well, because like I know in some of the larger shops, they've got people basically performing this function, right? They've yeah. got a research team that's looking at, okay, what's coming out? What can we, uh, you know, what can we turn into something that our testers uniformly should be checking for? And, you know, how do we teach them how to probe for it, how to exploit it? But I guess what you're doing is you're doing that same job, but you're just giving access to to everyone who's got 20 bucks a month, right? Exactly. Like all the research is done, all the details, and you got a video. And it's like putting all this knowledge together and then scaling it to everyone. Like that's, I think as a trainer, that's how I like it because it's scaling the knowledge I can gain and giving it to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I, you would also have quite a few people just using Pentester Lab to stay sharp, more or less. Oh, yeah. Like, and people as well, like just to stay sharp or to just get a little bit sharper between, like just before an interview, like people who are like interviewing, just like go on Pentester Lab, spend like every night for a month and then they interview to like big places where they can show that, okay, right now I'm at the top of my game. I like reviewed all my OOF2 stuff, all my SAML, all my classic web attack and they're like ready for the interview yeah and what's the just one other question on the split of customers like what sort of proportion is it pen testers versus developers is it easy for you to figure that out not really i think it's probably a lot more pen tester or appsec people than just developers but i think the really good thing for me and what i really enjoy is oh very often i got like developers coming like emailing me or sending me messages saying I learned so much and I enjoy that so much. And now I'm moving to like a security role uh, inside my company because I start doing like a bit more AppSec things. And thanks to you, I got like this job in AppSec and I'm doing a bit more money as well. And it's not a lot more. So look, as as part of your pitch, I mean, you you know, you might say to a company that's looking at, uh, uh, you know, buying access for their employees that this is a really good way to unearth the security talent in your developer pool, right? Yeah, definitely. Like people do that. So they get licenses and they give them to like the security champion to say like, okay, you're right now developers. Do you want to move into security? And if you're like running an AppSec team, you know how hard it is to find a good AppSec person. If you've got a developer who is interested to move into security and is already part of the company, like you're going to save so much struggle, struggle. Like, yeah. Yeah. Louis Neffenegger, thank you so much for joining us uh, on Snake Oilers to walk uh, through this. It's been years since, uh, since we've run into each other. So it's been really good to see you, my friend. And uh, yeah, all the best with it. And I will say, you know, I'm always seeing and reading really good things about Pentester Labs. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're able to come and present it to the audience here today. Thanks for having me and thanks for us, Cyber, and my Michelle Price for organizing it as well. 
That was Louis Niffeniger there talking about Pentester Lab. Now, we're kind of sticking with a theme here with our next snake oiler, uh, which is longtime Australian InfoSec people who've started interesting businesses. And uh, our next vendor is Attack Forge. Attack Forge is the brainchild of Stas Filstinski and Phil Filiposki. And it's a penetration test management and reporting platform. On the management side, they've created a platform that can manage the entire life cycle of a pen test from commissioning it to scoping to whatever. Uh, it can also guide methodology. I think you can put that in there as well. Uh, and on the reporting side, it's designed to solve an age-old problem. What are you supposed to do? with a pen test report that arrives as a 50-page PDF? You know, do you ask your dev team to read the whole thing? Do you cut and paste chunks of it and turn them into tickets or, you know, just send them individual issues? The whole thing, you know, it's a bit hard and a lot of stuff winds up falling through the cracks because pen test reporting mechanisms traditionally just haven't been that good. I mean, the reports might be good, but yeah, it's just that document-based approach. Uh, the whole thing sort of falls over a bit. So... Those are the problems AttackForge is seeking to solve with its platform. Uh, it's designed to be used by organizations with pen test teams, whether they're consultancies or in-house teams. And uh, as you'll hear, even if your org just commissions a lot of pen testing and doesn't even have an internal team, AttackForge can be a worthwhile investment because you can ask your external testers to plug into your instance of the platform. I'll drop you in here where Stas is talking about why they built AttackForge. General workflows in pen testing are similar across different organizations. Pen test needs to be requested, request needs to be reviewed, and then it has to be put into action. In terms of creating a running pen test engagement, you need to collect necessary criteria. You need to you know, record credentials, API definitions, URLs. You need to register another workflow. You need to register findings and vulnerabilities. So you need to generate reports, we still need it, and you need to manage uh, remediation workflows. So I guess, I guess what you're saying is all of the workflows have kind of converged on the same thing anyway. Yes, but another thing around methodologies is actual pen testing methodologies. How you run your pen tests, what test you run. Currently, when pen tests run, it's still some mysterious magic happening between pen tester and the target. What Attack Forge brings, it brings a clarity and transparency to that and help pen testers to do the good job every time because they can, and if whether it is enterprise or consultancy, they can define their methodology and repeat it every time. Okay, so so you allow them to sort of define the methodologies. So it's yeah, that's the that's the sort of customizable part. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so joining us is your uh, your co-founder Phil. Um, Phil, what what sort of customers are actually buying this thing? Um, is it is it the professional services organisations or is it the large teams at large organisations that are most interested in this? We have a mixture. Um, so uh, on the um, larger side, on the enterprise side, a lot of those customers, their household names, a lot of them are using AttackForge to help them manage those big pen testing programs. So these organizations are spending millions of dollars every single year running hundreds and hundreds of pen tests, usually involving multiple vendors, internal teams. And that entire process we see is, is, is broken in, in how it's done with a lot of organizations. The challenge there is that 
pen testing, it happens very late in the process. So it's usually just before go live or it's being done on production systems. So trying to reduce that time to remediate, effectively get that data from a pen tester to an engineer so they can acknowledge it and fix it in the fastest way possible. And that's where Attackforge has all of its workflows to enable those teams to be able to collaborate with each other and also to ensure that information flows very quickly, very efficiently to the right people um, and it can be actioned and then reported back to security so they can, can validate uh, that it's also being so, so, so we should clarify, right, that when we're talking about reporting, you know, we're not just talking about generating a 50-page, uh, you know, Microsoft Word document or a PDF, <laughs> right? So when you, when you talk about reporting, you're talking about actually getting actionable information to people who are in a position to fix it. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we spend a lot of time building a very powerful reporting engine, but the reality is we see static reporting is, is dying off. So for us, the importance there is how do we get that information from a pen tester, firstly, registered in ATTACKFORGE in a very efficient way, so they're not constantly trying to reinvent the wheel, but then how do we get that to the engineer in near real time? Because as, as an enterprise, you have a team of developers sitting around on a project, waiting to go live, one of the last ticks of approval is the pen test. So everyone's already tired, stressed, burnt out. Yeah, and they and don't want to have to sit there going through a 50-page report trying to find yeah, the stuff that's relevant to them. And they don't want to wait three weeks because the pen testers are sitting there playing around in Word, trying to adjust the, the table um, you know, width. So <laughs> yeah. the, they need to know that information from day one. Every single second counts. And, and, and that's in the project stream. If we look at the BAU stream, we're talking about production assets. So for every single second, that pen test report or those findings take to get to the right people so they can start doing something, that is risk on the business. I, I, so, I just want to I just want to stop you there because um, you did mention that you know uh, this this platform that you've developed is compatible with programs that use both internal and external resources. Absolutely. How does the how does the external part work? Right? Do, I mean, are you uh, are your customers saying to their external pen testers, you know, here's a login to ATTACKFORGE, use this? Yes, they are. Yeah. And that's where the big value comes because, again, when you're an enterprise working with three to four different pen testing providers on a panel, each one of them is going to give you a report in a different way. They're going to call a vulnerability very differently and not even just between the vendor. Each individual pen tester is likely to write up the findings however they see fit at the date. So the challenge there for an organization is we now have all of this really disparate data coming in and we need to normalize it. We need to now understand it and get that consistency to our engineering teams. So that's a big challenge. And, and what ATTACKFORGE does, it does, it allows organizations to invite their external teams, whether they're external vendors, whether they're um, teams in other divisions of the organization, but it gets them all in the same place, talking the same language so they can clearly understand what the key problems are or the key outcomes of a, of a particular assessment and they know how to action it. And again, pen testing, we say it's, it's a communication exercise. We have these experts who are able to find vulnerabilities, but then it comes to how can we communicate it in a way that not only just tells you, hey, here's a problem, how do we now track and, and, and how do we get that information in an actionable way? So 
yes, you have a problem. Yes, you've got 20 criticals and 30 high vulnerabilities, but this is the real important part that you need to focus the next two weeks on before go live. And that's where Attackforge helps to answer those questions. Yeah. So how are you actually getting that information to the right people? Are you throwing up, uh, you know, to, into stuff into ticketing systems, into Slack, or are you just leaving it in that portal and expecting engineers to log in? Because good luck with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that's one of the big challenges is how do we get it into the right places? So, so we address it on different fronts for, again, for different customers, depending how they want their workflows to work. So we have some customers who invite their engineers, developers into the project, and they then have full visibility of all the findings. They can get those notifications. They can self-generate reports on demand whenever they want it. But separately, we have um, inbuilt in native integrations for tools like Jira, ServiceNow, Azula yeah, Devops. Okay. So it's to tickets. Get, it's to tickets. Get into tickets. Yeah, <laughs> and then API integrations for all of the you know, more automated processes that they need. Now, I, uh, I speak to a lot of pen testers and uh, they always tell me uh, the same thing, which is a big challenge in pen testing is trying to get people, their customers, uh, whether they're internal or external, uh, you know, whether they're some, from the same organizations or their or their uh, consultants coming in, trying to get their customers to listen to them. Uh, so Stas, I, I, I believe this is something you've tried to work on with Attackforge to try to reduce the number of meetings where people are arguing over what's critical and what isn't. Is that right? As a part of, you know, what we did before, we've been on those meetings. When people stand up and say, no, this is not a critical, this is medium. And the next half an hour is a discussion. We've been told you watch too many Hollywood movies, literally on those meetings. Yeah. Okay. We build a specific feature, which is called attack chains, which give the picture of, entire sort of exploitation from a vulnerability, from actions of the attacker, actions of a defender, and how it all may end up with a compromise of Crown Jewel. And the moment our customers start using that, those meetings stop being discussion of criticality or vulnerability, but moreover, how we stop this event. How do we break this chain? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How we break this chain. And for them, yeah, I mentioned that focus on a, on, a, on a key problem. That's where they can look on three attack chains and find that this is one vulnerability that enable all of them. This will be the priority. We stop this and all these three events now cannot happen. What, what are the next steps for anyone who might want some more information here? So we do have a uh, free version of AttackForge that anyone can sign up and uh, start using. Um, and that is at um, attackforge.community. Um, and that will allow you to be able to set up your pen tests, go through the process of actually documenting what was done and be able to generate um, those uh, um, reports and, and then integrate into those systems quite quite effectively. Um, for anyone else who's looking at, um, you know, probably something that's, um, you know, workflows around pen tests as a service or, for those enterprises out there struggling with, you know, all of those hundreds of pen test reports that, that are coming from all their vendors, we have the AttackForge core and enterprise products, which are, um, are tailored to deal with workflows um, around those particular areas. The best way to actually get into it is contact AttackForge at info at We run demos for 
customers across the world. And after the demo, we provide access to proof of concept environment so customers can actually go and play with play it. Play around with it and see what it looks like. Yeah. All right, Stas, Phil. Thank you so much for joining me to talk through Attack Forge. It does sound, yeah, legitimately interesting. Obviously, you know, I've known a lot of pen testers for a, for a long period of time and uh, have some a little bit of insight into what the um, I'm going to do air quotes processes uh, in a lot of pen test shops look like. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this 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 is definitely something that sounds very interesting. And uh, best of luck with it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you for your time. That was Das Phil Stinsky and Phil Filiposki there with a chat about their baby. Attack Forge. Our third and final snake oiler this week is Sysdig. Uh, Sysdig is a container and cloud security company and its VP of product, Knox Anderson, is joining us today to pitch us on some fairly fundamental stuff, uh, how their tools can effectively manage vulnerabilities in cloud and container environments. Uh, and uh, Knox is also going to fill us in on Sysdig's detection engine. Now, this is all very much meat and potato stuff that anyone managing a large container environment will want to hear about. It's the sort of stuff that sounds simple, until you actually try to do it without the appropriate tooling, which, uh, you know, they are one of the companies that's built tooling to deal with that. So yeah, here's Knox Anderson telling us all about Sysdig. So Sysdig, we're a cloud and container security company. And the thing that we really do differently than anyone else is help you prioritize and understand what you can fix in your environment. Um, and we fundamentally believe that everyone is just dealing with too much noise and people don't know what to do and what makes impact in their system. Um, so we'll help you prioritize your vulnerabilities by understanding what to fix. Um, we give a lot of context around what's actually running in your environment, who's accessed that, um, and really provide visibility across the entire container and cloud security lifecycle. So we'll scan your container image or your different VMs and let you know either non-OS or OS vulnerabilities uh, that are present in those images. And the thing that we do that's really different is you can scan a container image with any vendor and understand like Debian introduced these, these are Java vulnerabilities, things like that. Um, but we'll show you which vulnerabilities are in packages that are actually executed at runtime. Um, so rather than dealing with a thousand vulnerabilities and saying, all right, you need to update the space image, you need to address all these different things, um, we'll let you know which ones are actually running and then do additional enrichment around, like, is there a public exploit? Is there a fix available? Um, there's no use in telling a developer like, hey, you have this vulnerability, unless there's a package that they can upgrade to th that too. Um, so really trying to give that context. Why is it that we're still seeing um, uh, companies kind of enter this space, right? Because, you know, you would have thought this would be a problem that the big vuln scanning companies would have handled 10 years ago, right? Yeah, uh, great question. So I think if you look at a company like uh, Qualys or a big vuln scanning company, like they'll tell you all the container images that are running on a host and maybe like it's a host centric view of the world rather than a Kubernetes centric or um, container orchestration centric view. Um, so it doesn't matter if you say like this vulnerability is on this host, it's more which uh, cluster is it tied to, which namespace, which application. And that Kubernetes context is something that's really critical. Um, and then the other thing that's really interesting that we put out in our container usage report is 50% of containers live a minute or less and so if you have this like snapshot based uh, scanning uh, environment or something that's just like going out there and polling, uh, you're going to miss a lot of what's actually running. So you really need to rethink both the scanning and the prioritization process. 
So that's like the Volan scanning part, but uh, you know, Sysdig is not just doing Volan scanning and and Volan management. Um, you actually do sort of instrumentation and um, uh, detection based stuff too, right? Yeah. Uh, so our core agent is open source. Our founder's previous project was Wireshark, and like kind of Sysdig started off as a company where it's like. Okay, you don't have a span port to t to tap into in the cloud. What's the way to go in and do introspection and visibility? And so we wrote our open source tool Sysdig first, which is kind of like S Trace plus TCP dump plus HTOP all mashed together. And then Falco is a detection engine that's built on top of that core visibility. Um, so you can easily define something like if I see a process like LS initiating a network connection, which it shouldn't fire an alert. Um, and so it's a really flexible language for doing uh, detection with anything that's based on system calls. And you've just chosen to apply that to container security, which I guess, I mean, that's the thing, right? That's where the Linux is these days. Yeah, you have to like apply it to what's changing in the market. And uh, I think the container context is, is one area. The other thing that we've done that's kind of interesting recently is also applied it to cloud logs. Um, so before you would take all your CloudTrail logs or GCP audit logs and dump them in a SIM or Splunk or something like that. Um, and you can feed those through Falco as another input, similar to system calls, uh, and then do detection like, hey, hey, Patrick has logged into AWS with MFA disabled. So basically any structured input you can now do streaming detection on versus going in and, and dumping that into some type of SIM. So, you know, you, you're, you're here to talk about your products. Like who, who is it that you're most trying to reach, right? Like who are the people who tend to, who tend to really want it and buy it and be very, very happy with it? We kind of have two. Yeah. Um, and so it depends, like if you're the team that's, hey, I've moved to Kubernetes in the cloud and I need to rethink about how I do like vulnerability management and compliance in that environment. And then the second one is, uh, detection engineering teams and the, th the way that you write detections and container environments has fundamentally changed. And the thing that's also really interesting about Sysdig is because we see everything at the system call layer, you can do process level detection, file level detection, network level detection from a single instrumentation point. And so that's the other group that we work with closely. Um, we've okay, also that, done that's, pretty... that's actually really interesting, right? Because you've got the compliance people, which, you know, for, for the vulnerability management space, that's been bread and butter for, you know, yeah. for, a, for a long time. But also the idea that like your agent does some, is just a decent way to hook into some of those EBPF benefits, right? Like that's, that's interesting. It's a very interesting split between people doing compliance, vuln scanning and people doing, um, yeah, EBPF based detection. Yeah, and, and I think it actually makes the compliance story better in a lot of ways because you need to do things like say, hey, this user has exact into this container or someone has gone and contacted this EC2 metadata service. And so there's a lot of systems monitoring things that compliance people are like, oh, I'm just going to install this agent and check the box. Uh, and so if you can get them working with the detection team, you can provide much better coverage. And so that that's kind of an interesting angle that I think a lot of people don't see between those two teams because compliance is like, I'm going to put this FIM tool here, leave it, I'm done, uh, end of day. 
Earlier, you mentioned that you could actually flag vulnerabilities that are present in an environment in processes and, app- and applications that are actually running, which, yeah, that is definitely going to help you with your um, uh, to prioritize your fixes. But you can also do that for applications that are customers deploying uh, that, are, that, are, that are maintained in GitHub, right? Like you can actually check out what's running and compare it to the repo where, you know, that's, that's the code that should be running. Is that right? Yeah, and that's a, a fundamental um, way in how we address posture in modern environments. Um, so you used to go in and like scan your AWS account or scan your applications and then open a ticket and a developer would need to go and change some configuration. Um, now everything is really declarative and it's either with Helm charts or Terraform or whatever you're using as infrastructure as code. Um, and so um, kind of because earlier we've talked a lot about open source, uh, we also um, hev- heavily leverage open policy agent um, to provide a unified policy across both what's running uh, in production and what's at source. Um, and some some of the nice advantages here is you can go in and say, okay, you've defined something in a Helm chart this way, what looks in production is different. Uh, you need to compare those two um, or go in and then uh, if you actually want to fix something, it's much easier to just open a PR than go and have that ticketing process, play that whack-a-mole game and or hot potato, whatever you want to call it, uh, in terms of getting someone to actually address that environment. Now, I believe you recently published a container usage report and, um, you know, it's it's full of all sorts of interesting stuff. We'll drop a link into the show notes for this podcast um, uh, to that report. But, uh, Knox, I, I wondered if you could just tell me what, you know, one one thing that you found interesting from that report. So this is our fifth year doing the container usage report. And the thing that surprised me uh, the most is uh, that 52% of images are actually scanned in production. So while if you're listening to Patrick's podcast, you probably have heard other people come in and talk about shift left, um, that's still not happening most of the time. Uh, even though you can integrate with Jenkins, GitLab, whatever to do scanning easily, um, most images are still being scanned in production. It's lucky then that there are tools that allow you to catch stuff once it's live. Uh, Knox Anderson, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show to have a bit of a chat about Sysdig, and I'll drop a link uh, to that report in this week's show notes. Cheers. Thanks, Patrick. That was Knox Anderson there from Sysdig. Big thanks to him for that, and big thanks to all our snake oil peddlers for joining us for this edition. Uh, Part two will be up in a week or two, but that is it for this part of uh, our snake oilers edition. I'll be back soon with more security news and analysis, but until then, I've been Patrick Gray. Thanks for listening.